Hey folks, this is On the Home Front. Welcome aboard. My name is John Murphy. I'm here on Wednesdays on WILI AM 1400, the 95.3 FM. As you can see, we're also videotaping our shows for the WILI YouTube channel, where many of the 5 to 6 p.m. weekday shows are available. So if you miss our live broadcast, you can catch us anytime on YouTube 24-7. Our program today will be in three parts. We're going to end the program with a conversation uh, with somebody from the Assets for Artists program at the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art. They're serving Connecticut with new grant program opportunities for artists, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. Uh, for our second guest, we're going to focus on the Taste to, Taste to Towns Restaurant Week, which is two weeks from February 20th to March 5th. And we're going to have a lot of people involved in that area and area restaurants for that period. But we're going to begin looking at Willimantic Renaissance and the 17th Chocolate Fest here in Willimantic Yay. with Jean Desmay. Thank you. Thank you. It's Saturday, February 11th. Plan ahead for a good day. Yeah. And just kind of give us a preview. We have time. Well, most important thing is we got the weather report just now. Oh, you did? And it was 40, mid-40s. Oh, lovely. So that's good. That's good for it. And yeah. some people said, how about if it rains, do you cancel? Well, of course not. This is all about inside the merchants. That's right. And the merchants stay open whether it rains or not, believe yeah. it. So you can always shop when it's raining. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, before you run down the schedule, yeah, there's a lot. Fo Ooh. folks are still learning the concept. Okay. So let's do the concept of what this is really all about. Yeah. So, oh, Willimantic happens to rhyme with the word romantic. <laughs> romantic Willimantic. And so we call it Romantic Willimantic, and this has been going on for, oh my goodness, well, at least 42 years, but even more than that, probably 45 or, or more, where um, we just, first they had a, a couple that they would designate the the, the Romantic cute, uh, couple, and you'd they put them up um, at the Brand Rex house, uh, wow. where Brand Rex is, this little white house, and they put them up for the weekend, and we sang to them, and they got food and all that. So anyway, that was nice. And then John Lesko came up with the idea of making a Cupid. Ah, there you go. So that was 42 years ago was the first Cupid, and the first Cupid was Wayne Norman. Of course. Of course. Who else? <laughs> Hello, Wayne. Hi, Wayne. So ever since then, the town of Wyndham has been nominating a Cupid every year. And I'm honored to say that I was one also. And we always say we're always still Cupids, so they just keep oh, growing. Yeah. We don't go away. Also, um, this year, our Cupid finishing his term is David Foster. Yes. Thank you, David. Hey, thank, thank you, you, David. You bet. So about um, 17 years ago now, and that's, well, with two years missing, uh, we started a chocolate fest. So one of the people in town was just like, we need chocolate fest. We need a chocolate fest. And I was like, you know, I just done third Thursday. Like, I'm not doing a chocolate fest. <laughs> but you know what happens? We had, I had lunch with a few people at Uba's when that was a lunch spot on Main Street. And we all got together and was like, yeah, we should do the chocolate fest, which is, and it's been going on ever since. And it's a lot of fun. And basically, you know, it's a very much a community event. Oh, it's, yeah. It's what the people bring in. That's what it turns out to be. And it starts, should I start with that? Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's First thing in Saturday the morning. Saturday the 11th. Saturday. Saturday the 11th. This, yep. this Saturday coming up. So it starts with a, a road race, except it's not really a road race. It's an urban scramble. Because weather permitting, we don't know if they'll be running through the ice, the snow, or sure. what, right? So right. 
they call it urban scramble. It's a two mile. People just do it for fun. Two or three hundred people come from out of town wow. to run in this crazy race, and they all get dressed up in pink costumes and tutus and tights and all awesome. this fun stuff. It's over fast. It's the race is start, starts at ten. It's probably over by ten fifteen, right? I mean, how long does it take to do two miles? So where well, do they I end up? Do now? Where miles. do they end up at, at the end? Uh, they end up at the First Baptist Church. Okay. Which is also where they gather first, and then you can sign up for that um, at cupidmamerun.com. So they start the run behind ILI right here on Riverside Drive. They go up. They go across the river to Pleasant Street. They come back down. And they run up Main Street, I think. So it's, it's anyway, it's great fun. They all have a good time. And Cupcake for Later, of course, gives them cupcake. This prizes. Well, who wouldn't race for a cupcake for, cupcake for later? <laughs> yeah. So that, they get a lot of business. Don't go to Cupcake for Later on Saturday morning at 10.15 because the whole 300 racers head right there for them. Flying them. donuts. Flying donuts. Okay, that's, that kicks off the day. That kicks off the day with a lot of fun, fun people who are full of smiling faces and just enjoying our city. And they're all from out of town, which is so especially nice. So then after that, well, during that, um, we have the cake contest. So if anyone is a baker, and I can tell you that so far oh. no no one is in the youth category. So if you have any children who bake. Oh, there's an opportunity. You may win. There you go. <laughs> Easily. Hey. So there's like five categories, but you, you bring your cake in um, anywhere around 10.30, 9.30 to what is now PATH um, Counseling Center. It was the YMCA many years ago. Bring your cake in, then you leave, they judge it. And then you come back at noon to find out who wins. And that's a ton of fun. And Ruth Hartunian, who does Alamba, who does the um, Ravings and Cravings show on Monday. Right here in this studio. Coordinates that. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then all day long, which it could be any time from, it depends what the store's hour is, but we try to say 11 to 3 because most people are open at 11 to 3, but right. some are, you know, either side. Right. Um, <clears throat> we have the chocolate chip stroll. And there's about 30 businesses that are open for the stroll. And what you do is we, you just walk down Main Street and you check out what they're doing. A lot of them have things for sale. Some are doing giveaways. Some are doing raffle baskets. The idea is go in and see what's inside that door. Because I know that it's intimidating when you've never been inside a store. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I, I don't know. In fact, Eastern did a survey once. And they, that was the main complaint was that I'm looking at Jules Verne. A name like Jules Verne doesn't tell you they're a jeweler. So, so many of our businesses don't tell you what they do inside. <laughs> they have these um, cute names. But actually, Jules Verne does have jewelers on the top of her sign. But Yeah. Um, you bet. Great you, spot. It's, it's just how do you get rid of that little tiny hesitation that makes people not go in? And people are going to be really surprised this year because we have several new businesses downtown. And they're really going to see... Um, New, new things. It's yeah. the power of chocolate. It's the power of chocolate. There right. you go. You it can is. walk it off every store. You do a couple of laps <laughs> or the next one across right. the block, right? Right. And if you didn't right. get enough to eat. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You All can right. go to the food co-op where they're having their birthday party. Oh, that's right. How many years for the co-op? 43. 43 years for the co-op. they're going to have wow. 43 birthday cakes. 
Oh, my word. <laughs> wow. So I think that's enough. <laughs> wow. Um, I'd be remiss not to mention live music at Willimantic Records. Good. Joe Malinowski at the Bliss Marketplace on North Street. Absolutely. And then it, the evening, well, then you go out for dinner, obviously. Um, and people like Stone Road Kitchen and Bar and Willie Brew are having specials that are Valentine's Day specials. Make a reservation, yo. That's <laughs> Don't a be, good idea. <laughs> you yep. need a reservation for this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you get to go to the dance. So there's Patty Tuitt, who's a, certainly a local favorite. She's been here. She's great. <laughs> she's been here, and she's been spoken about, and she's been wonderful. Yes, so Patty is, is performing at a dance at the Elks at 730. So we're really looking forward to that as the grand finale of the day. Now, here's a last-minute question, because yeah. we're doing this show live on Wednesday before. Are mm -hmm. there any last-minute needs for volunteers or last-minute things Ooh. if people have a need? Because there's a lot of people that make uh, this happen. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I'm remiss not to say that. Um, the um, NAACP youth are coming out at 3.30. We're meeting at the food co-op, and we go out and we put chalk hearts and arrows on the streets so that people know which way to go. Oh, very nice. We can use help with that because 3.30, what, are they going to get an hour and a half before it gets dark? Yeah. Yeah. about that? They better be, they better be cooking. So we're going to need, absolutely, so meet us at 3.30 at the co-op and get your chalk art going. We got the chalk. We need the artists. And also the website is a good way to follow up on all these events, right? WyndhamRec.org. WyndhamRec, R-E-C. Uh, can't thank the recreation department enough that for doing that website for us. I was pulling out my hair, and they also have been one of the sponsors helping with the advertising budget. So they they are great, but also volunteers. We have Eastern students. Is it the rugby club again? No, no. <laughs> They're awesome. The rugby know, people are all over this town. I was gonna say no heavy lifting, but that's not fair. They can do a lot more than that. Um, this is Eastern students, and they're coming down to do two things. We're gonna put hearts in the windows of stores empty stores that and you put i love and you you know i love mom right i'm gonna put i love my dog right there you we go that um <laughs> so we're gonna put hearts in all the empty storefront windows to try to show a little love for our old buildings and then um the eastern students are also doing a children's activity at the path counseling center and um also there is going to be eastern Connecticut Eastern Railroad Association is setting up a model train. So Yeah, they'll be opening up soon, too, for their new season. Yeah, May. May, early May. May. Coming up, yeah. Yeah, so they're doing that little promotion. Um, I have to mention the Veterans Center. Yep. And you know Bev. Yeah, I sure do. Bev York, been yes. here many times. And she is just cranking out the stuff there. There's children's activities. There's crafters. They do liberties. There's, yeah, they do liberties. They're doing an art show, Valentine's-themed art show. They're doing um, lectures. Uh, lectures. <laughs> Bev doesn't lecture. They're doing talks about... Um, she's a storyteller. Yes, yeah, she's a storyteller about chocolate and the history of chocolate. So, there you go. Yeah, every hour. So 12, 1, and 2, I think. So that's all on the website, too. That's all on the website. All Don't right, forget so. to go dig a little deeper and click on the back pages because you're going to find so much information. You'll see posters all around town, but everything on the posters are online and details for you to follow up. Yeah. WyndhamRec.org. WyndhamRec.org. 
And also, a quick thing before we go with Gene, uh, the WillimanicStreetFest.com is getting a new website this year. They've been doing a lot of work to enhance it. So they're planning now uh, for spring to kick off the first uh, third Thursday, as you know, is in May. So now they're planning. And just go to WillimanicStreetFest.com, and you'll find out how to connect to that great tradition. How many years for third Thursday? 30? How many? This will be the 20th. A uh, 20th? Yep, just wow. 20. Everybody 20. thinks it's been forever. But yeah. It's it feels I, that way, but that's why it's... my whole life, but it hasn't been. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were there. I was there. I, I want to mention... Um, yeah. yeah. What was it? Oh, the Cupid crowning. So we have our 42nd Cupid, and the, and that person is going to be crowned, person or persons, oh. um, is going to be crowned on Tuesday at the community center at um, 10 a.m., and so it's always a surprise. Nobody knows who it is. Don't ask me. I don't know. And rumor has it, according to Matt Rupar, this will be on the radio. So we're going to be yeah. on the air live from the community center. Probably Wayno in the morning. Yep. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock with Wayno. Another community center activity. They're doing um, a movie, The Lady and the Tramp, at okay. 6 o'clock that night. They're okay. giving out children's books. Yep. Um, so, yeah, whether at whatever age you are, <laughs> come out and play. It's fun. Okay, well, Gene Desmay from Willimantic Renaissance, thanks for everything you do all year long. And we'll look forward to my having pleasure. you back in the spring, getting closer to the third Thursday. Yeah, my, my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having you us. Betcha. Thank you for all the work you're doing. And I'll see you and Willie for the fest. I'll be there. It'll be a great oh, day. Oh, yeah. Saturday, okay. February 11th, okay? All right. All right, a short break, chocolate, and we'll come chocolate, back, chocolate. and we're going to focus on the uh, Taste of Towns restaurant. Chocolate. Okay, we're back live on the home front this week, and I'm very glad to have you with us. Uh, we have another segment in the program later looking at the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art. They have a wonderful program called Assets for Artists, and the program is a resource for artists and arts businesses, and they have some new opportunities coming up this spring, and we'll talk with Molly Rideout for the last part of the show. But right now we're going to focus here locally on the Taste to Towns Restaurant Week in our area, a good celebration of food and our local economy. February 20th to March 5th, so we have two weeks to celebrate this, and we have three guests in the studio day to set the stage. Sitting next to me, we have Kathleen Peterson. She's the Senior Communication Manager at the Mansfield Downtown Partnership. Also to her right is Mark Saul from Moody's Barbecue, and he's participating for the first time. And I'm very happy to have back in the studio again Andrew Goot from, this, uh, from Stone Row Kitchen and Bar, and also the Willimantic Downtown Development Association. A neighborhood association. So thank you all for being back. All righty. Well, a little long-winded intro, but this is about enjoying food, supporting our restaurants, and enjoying our towns. And Margaret, maybe you could set the stage for the history of this event, and then we'll get into some of the offerings for this year, because I know you have more people involved. Yeah, thanks for having us, sure. John. Um, this is a collaborative, collaborative effort with the town of Mansfield, the town of Wyndham, the Mansfield Downtown Partnership and the Willimantic Downtown Neighborhood Association. Right. Um, we started this last just last February. Yeah. Um, as everyone was coming out of the pandemic, it was a little bit difficult for our restaurants. And then f February is sort of a slow period anyways for the industry. So we yeah. were looking for a way to um, not only celebrate our culinary community, but also draw some attention, maybe ch um, encourage people to try new things, um, get the, you know, locals back out so we developed taste two towns mansfield wyndham restaurant week 
um, to highlight all the diverse dining options we have in this community, um, which for a smaller community, we uh -huh. have a really big, diverse um, selection of restaurants that folks can choose from. And, you know, one nice thing about it is with the variety you've set up, it's still a short trip. So we're oh, not yeah. talking a long drive. <laughs> but sometimes you have to drive a ways, you know. Yeah. But this way it's all local. Uh, what do you think is the biggest uh, thing from last year that you guys learned that uh, from, the, from the early experiments? What kind of things did you learn that you're enjoying this year even more? Oh, um, that's a good question. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think for all of us, we kind of get into our routine and maybe go to our familiar places or mm -hmm. just always get the same thing every time we go to our favorite spot. And so with the True. way the menus are designed, it allows you to kind of like get out of your comfort zone, either try something new at a new restaurant or maybe just like, you know, I, I'm guilty of this. I know I get the same thing <laughs> often. So it gets people out of their comfort zone trying something different. And then also um, there's been a lot of change in the industry over the past couple of years. Um, and on the local level, we've got new restaurants and food offerings like Muda's Barbecue. Mm -hmm. um, or Faux Delight, which is a new one in downtown Oh, that's Manic. wonderful. I've been there a couple times. So this is a way to help get the word out about some of the new places, and then also for the established ones to kind of show off the stuff that makes them great. Like at Hops 44, they just racked up, I think, six different honors in the um, Best of Connecticut, um, Connecticut Magazine. So it gives them a chance to kind of show off a little bit, too, even if it might be someplace you've tried before. Right. You know, something I like about Andy's work at Stone Row is kind of related to this, but each season has its harvest. Mm -hmm. And you have locally grown ingredients, and you try to integrate the menu into your local environment that way. And it supports local producers, and it gives them a chance to sell locally. And it gives you a chance to have variety. And doing it during this time of the year, of course, winter is a little difficult. Uh, can you tease us a little bit, Annie, with some of your thoughts about uh, working with local food more and more? Absolutely. So winter, wi winter's <laughs> a time where you really got to hustle with yeah. your creativity about what, what you're putting on the menu. But I think overall, my chef's culinary concept is go with what your body kind of craves with the seasons um, and follow, follow the New England seasons. Uh, so for instance, this time of year, it's root vegetables. This time of year, it's things to keep you warm. It's things to put a little meat on your bones. That's what we need in the winter, right? We're eating a little heavier, so we follow that. And I will add about the uh, the Taste Two Towns event in general is, um, we out here, ha we're, we know in Mansfield, Wyndham, and the surrounding towns, we don't have an interstate, we don't have mass transit, so we're geographically isolated. True. So what's been really cool that's happening is this food scene between Mansfield, Wyndham, downtown Willimantic that's developed over the last five to ten years because people live out here and it's hard to get to Hart the Hartford area. It's hard to get to the Hartford area towns where there is a concept or, or down to the shoreline. So yeah. you're seeing this and scene develop um, and moreover with the influx of international students going to Yukon these international a lot of asian oriented food venues popping up throughout the neighborhood um so seeing that appear has been really awesome 10 years ago there's no way you would be able to say to anyone let's have a restaurant week concept because you would have had three places participate yeah. so the fact that this year we're going to have uh, up to 20 restaurants on board 
Yeah. That's pretty impressive. That shows, certainly shows that we're building something really remarkable in this area. Yeah. No, it shows people that are local that, that have been around can see a curve, and it's really going up. There's really a wave now, and it's been nice to see. Some will say a long time coming, but you know what? It's here. Now, let's shift over to, uh, to Mark, uh, because you've expanded. What made you decide to jump in the pool this year? Because you've been around before. Well, we're real excited about doing this. We opened up originally 2018 in Moodis with a large uh, brick-and-mortar, full bar, patio. Wow. But we're a casualty of the pandemic. So we ended up building out a food trailer, looked around, looked at the Willimantic area where looked to see there was a need for barbecue in this area. So uh, we moved down here with our food trailer and we're very excited to participate. We've got the same great barbecue that we had at the brick and mortar. We're cooking everything low and slow over Hickory Wood, mm -hmm. uh, brisket, pulled pork and uh, ribs, everything else. So uh, we're pretty happy about it. What's the feedback been now since people are opening up more, things, people are coming out of the caves all the time now? No, absolutely. We get a lot of repeat customers, and we're always getting new customers. It's a little tough. It's winter time. We're outdoors. <laughs> um, but we're there every day but Wednesday, and uh, it's been very positive. You know, nothing but, uh, you know, good vibes from the public and looking to continue with it. Let me ask you a quick question, Kathleen. Are there any websites people could go to to get more details about all the restaurants and the accommodations? Because like Andy said, there's 20 of them. That's a lot of choices over two weeks. Yes, there is a website. Please. It's taste2towns.com. That's too difficult. <laughs> I know. Um, we, no, we have uh, all of our participating restaurants will be listed on there. Um, as Andy said, we're about just shy of 20 and um, working to round that out. And we're getting their menus up soon. Um, the menus are going to be a mix of prefix uh, lunch and dinner options as well as to-go packages. So places like Moodis um, can participate and maybe if you're just on the go and you need lunch and you want to try something, but um, you can still participate and taste two towns. Um, we'll also be doing a lot of on social media and just follow hashtag taste two towns um, on the downtown stores, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then Andy, can you say what your downtown romantic one is because i don't want to. <laughs> uh, yeah so other than going to taste2towns.com uh, find us at uh willie next on instagram w-i-l-l-i-n-e-x-t uh and just or search restaurant week Wyndham or mansfield will will come up we're we're this is when you get all the all the area restaurants together it just magnifies our ability to reach people we trade our audiences because now you know let's say stone row is attracting customers they're going to the website to see what we're doing well they're going to get the chance now to see what all these other places are doing yeah. in one shot and dine out for 14 days in a row um, and that's what we need to remind ourselves is remind our audience is that and kind of as Mark alluded to, is that winter's winter's a tough time for dining out. Because think of last weekend. Who wanted to leave their house <laughs> last Saturday, right? It was, yeah. But we, we as restaurants are sustaining jobs, sustaining rents, paying mortgages, you know, seven days a week, oh, yeah. all year round. So we really need to having butts in seats year round is really important. So I think turning... The, the public was so generous to us during the during the worst of the pandemic. And we just want to remind people 
how much we appreciate the customers and how restaurants mean so much to the character of a community. Um, it's a really good social barometer and, and, and to be so representative of the area by the different foods, the different flavors that we offer. So, so visiting us, as Kathleen said, stepping out of your comfort zone, trying a new place, and Restaurant Week's a good chance to do that. We're all doing discounted menus, we're doing packages, we're doing taste of. This is the chance to go for it. Right. That thing you've been saying you're going to be doing, oh, I really need to go there, I really need to go there. Now is your time to go there. You know, that's come up on so many interviews I've had with the arts organizations, too. This is the time when people realized COVID was a very painful lesson that a lot of people took things for granted. And because it didn't affect them directly, they didn't realize the struggles that were going on economically before COVID. And it just amplified what was already there. So folks who had stores, retail, anything with the public, a big hit. But now people are coming back. And that enthusiasm, hopefully, Andy's trying to tap into that idea. Things weren't so bad before. And the only way they'll get better is if we do things like we used to do. So I really hope that works well. And I want to give the website, too, willimanicdowntown.org. You can find out throughout the whole year all these events and activities and programs. Any last and downtown thoughts? stores. That Please, also, give those <laughs> websites one more time. Yes. Um, well, before we go, I did want yeah. to thank our sponsors because oh, yes. they um, have generously given to this program so that we can get the word out. Um, we're doing a lot of um, promotion through a regional audience to try to draw attention to our two communities. So um, Green Valley Tree is our chef's table sponsor, which is our highest level. And our main course sponsors are the Eastern Connecticut State University Foundation, Slotnick Construction, Crane Hill Contracting, Dog Lane Cafe, Fine Fettle, and Fenton River Grill. And we're very thankful for their support. Yeah. Yeah, they're keeping the money local. Yes, yep. they they're are. Keeping it they're local. Yeah. And so taste2towns.com, um, you can go on there, check out the menus, start making your plans. It's February 20th through March 5th, and we can't wait to see everybody dining out. Well, thank you, Kathleen Patterson, and also uh, Mark Saul and Andrew Goot. I wish you all a great weekend. I'll certainly be enjoying some meals during that time. Again, awesome. February 20th to March 5th, so plenty of time to enjoy good food and support our local economy. We'll take a short break and come back and talk about Mass Mocha. The song is Willimannic USA. Take it away. Take a look at the map of United States and you'll find Connecticut.
Okay, we're back live here on On the Homefront. My name is John Murphy. Very happy to be here with you on WILI. Our programs are on YouTube, by the way. If you ever miss a live broadcast, you can go to the WILI YouTube channel, and all of our programs are there, along with many of the other shows that we have uh, from 5 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Well, for the last part of our show this week, I'm very happy to have a guest return. Molly Rideout uh, was with us several weeks ago. She's from the Assets for Artists program at the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art, MassMOCA. And they're also doing a lot of wonderful support for artists in Connecticut. And that's why we have Molly here today. There's a grant program that has had a deadline extended. And there's some other programs that she's offering. So welcome back to the radio, Molly. It's good to have you. No, it's good to be here, John. Okay. So maybe a starting point might be the program that we talked about last time that is being extended for more opportunities for people to apply. Sure, yeah. Right. So the program you mentioned is the Capacity Building Grant Program um, that we're offering for artists across the whole state of Connecticut. Um, and it will include a $2,000 unrestricted grant. It's not a project grant. You can use it for anything you want. You could use it for your rent if you need to. Um, but more than that, it's also a program about kind of supporting artists in what they need to take their practice to the next level. So um, kind of professional development in the realm of maybe goal setting or marketing or grant writing. Um, a variety of different things, and that'll come in the form of group workshops, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and some goal-setting tools, too. I know you mentioned this last time. It's really unusual to have a really unrestricted program where you, people have a really plastic uh, way to apply things. Uh, was that a very strategic choice to help people who were affected by COVID and maybe had other unusual uh, costs to deal with and it was impacting their ability to move ahead? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so our program uh, is about 15 years old now. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, it was really focused on savings. And so the grant was actually, it was a match where um, artists right. would have to put away a little bit of money toward, you know, into a savings account and then would get a, a match for that. Right. Um, but that was a kind of federal program that we were working with, and when those incentives went away, you know, we took a hard look at our program and said, you know, artists do need to increase their savings, but they also need a whole lot more, and so let's let them decide what they really need this money for instead of making that determination for them. So uh, how much more time do people have to apply? You said this is February 22nd? Yeah, February 22nd. It was originally February 15th, so if you have that on your calendar, scratch that out and give yourself an extra week. Right. Um, yeah, the reason for that extension was because we had some uh, issues with the application portal um, that had resulted in um, it being down for a couple weeks. So to make up for that, we're extending the deadline an extra week so that folks can still have time to get that application in. So maybe this would be a good time just to repeat the website again, because that website is a resource for all kinds of uh, support, uh, you know, w way beyond this one grant program. So why don't you give that website, people can jot it down, and then we'll talk some more. Yeah, absolutely. So um, while we're a program of MassMOCA, probably the best way to find us is our department has its own website, which is assetsforartists.org, and that's for F-O-R, assetsforartists.org, and you do a slash and Connecticut, and that's going to show you everything that we're offering across the state. 
Could you describe briefly, without losing us in the details, some of the other opportunities available maybe for late winter, early spring, that some of our artists in our community may not know that are there waiting for them to find out? Yeah. Um, the next uh, workshops that we're going to be offering for Connecticut artists, they'll be online, and they'll be taking place in uh, April, I believe. Um, there's going to be one focused on uh, how to, like, kind of the basics of Instagram, what that's like for someone who's either never done that before or um, might be just, you know, muddling along and wants to know how they can improve. And then um, in May, which is getting a little ahead, but let's let's look there anyway, we're going to have a workshop on photographing your artwork because we know in this digital age, you know, applications and just getting um, your yeah. work out there often involves having uh, good images of your work. And, you know, one thing that I'm sure you've experienced is so many artists are so focused on creating the work and the environment of the studio that the, the idea of marketing and social media are a real stretch for them. And the challenge is that's becoming more important than ever if you want to reach out, right? They have to learn how yeah. to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, artists are expected to be, you know, small business folks as well as creators. And so that's why our program exists to try and help with those small business skills so that artists can spend as much of their brain energy in the studio as possible. Now, something you mentioned that you wanted to talk about today while we had the time is trying to deal with sensitive issues with artists and maybe their personal growth or their limitations in their art form, where asking for money gets to be a real obstacle to progress. Just the act of asking can be scary or intimidating. Can you talk about that and how you're trying to help people think that through? Yeah, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, and, you know, that our, our recent workshops have also been tackling with, you know, when artists were all, were given this kind of, um, you know, starving artist, struggling artist mentality. Yeah. And I think at this point, so many, so many individuals and organizations are also used to asking for artists to do things for free. Um, you know, arts organizations are struggling just as much as artists are. And so asking an artist to give a class for free or do a mural for free or donate their artwork to a, to an auction. And, um, and I think when we as artists, and I'm speaking, being a, a writer myself and a public artist, when we care about those causes, it's hard for us to say like, yes, I want to do this, but also here's, here's what it will cost me to do these things. Um, and, and, and so finding ways to, to be able to say that I think is really important. I was thinking about how, you know, in the conversations about, um, about healthcare and making healthcare more affordable, right? right. We, some of the, some of the models are free healthcare for folks, but no one's actually expecting the doctors to work for free, right? So I think that we can have free art while still building in a, a, a system where the artists still get paid to make their work. And it can be hard to ask, to say, you know, I, I would love to do that, but here's, here's what it will cost me because it's going to take five days of my, of my day and I won't be able to, you know, work on paid work otherwise if I'm working on this. Well, you know, that's a really good point you made because once you get the nerve to figure out, well, it's time for me to kind of get some some uh, support and some pay. The question would be, well, how much do you ask for within your medium? You know, what does it go for? So you don't sell yourself short, but maybe go a little too high too soon 
You know, it's it's a very tender thing to price yourself, but how do people think that through? Yeah, I think I think I've heard different types of models um, from different artists. Some some of the approaches um, that I think are really interesting is instead of asking like what what is the dollar number that I'm supposed to ask here, instead looking at what what do I need to survive, like to live a comfortable life and do my work? What What is an hourly rate? And so looking at your whole, say, year, the whole year of your expenses to live and make your work, and then dividing that by the number of hours that, you know, a reasonable person would work and saying, maybe that's depending on your individual needs, your individual stage of life. Maybe that's going to be $20 an hour, but maybe that's going to be $60 an hour. Um and and being honest about that of like that's that's what I need to survive that's what I need to live um, because of the various costs at this stage of my life um, that's an approach I've heard um, I've heard of some other approaches with um, organizations where you try to find um, a, a comparable position within an organization and then because you're a freelancer doubling what that um, rate is because of factoring in all of the freelancer additional costs. That and your go taxes into that. too, probably, right? Your taxes exactly. are big. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. People forget but, taxes. You know, yeah. Right. I think I think there's different models for different people, and um, and it's really going to come down to you know what's going to work for you. There's sliding scale models, right? If it's a big corporation that's asking you for something, maybe you have a different price than if it's the you know local arts. Uh, after-school program um, and and kind of working within that sliding scale. And I know from some other guests I've had on that if they're a member of an arts council or a guild or some collective effort, then there's a family right there you can talk to to figure out how they're dealing with it, too, so you're not kind of on your own in your own cave, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we as artists often under undervalue ourselves. So if you're feeling like, uh, I, if I ask for that much, are they really going to say yes? I mean, ask. And then they, the worst they can say is say no, and you go back with a lower number. But, yeah. you know, always ask for what you need. Right. Don't be afraid of a no. Yeah. By the way, I want to mention for our radio listeners, in case you've just joined us, we're talking today with Molly Rideout, the assistant director of the Assets for Artists program at Mass MoCA. And I wondered, uh, since you're serving a large area, including Connecticut, uh, which is active, when we spoke last time, you were talking about the eastern half of the state is a little quieter. It's growing, but it has a little fewer applications coming in than from the western half. And part of your message was to reach out to people in the eastern region to say you should go for these things and they're waiting for you, right? So let me, you know, have you explain that concern you have that everybody in the state is reached. Yeah, absolutely. So this program that that we were talking about a little earlier, this this capacity building grant program, it's right. going to be a cohort of ten artists, and we are really hoping to have a broad um, a broad cohort from across the state. So. Um, you know, looking as geographically diverse as possible and looking at some of the workshops that, that we've offered in Connecticut in past years, it does seem like attendance, you know, is a little quieter on the eastern eastern half of the state. And we know that there are some, some amazing champions of arts, both organizations and some amazing artists in that part of the state that we've really enjoyed working with. And we also know that there's a lot more out there um, that might be interested in in getting some some of the work that we can provide from our workshops or, or this grant program. 
I wonder, too, if uh, in the plans for maybe spring or summertime, you had mentioned some online workshops. Uh, are you ever having sessions where uh, the consultants can come out to different regions and provide special training to people that might have like a menu of choices, different kinds of needs, and people would come to them for support, or is that not funded at this time? Yeah, that's a good question. I think right now a lot of our work is is virtual, um, especially because this program is going to be statewide. Um, But I do think, you know, we we have been, we used to do everything in person, right? right? And then COVID, and for the last three years our program has been all online, and so we are just now stepping back into in-person and figuring out the best way to do that. So, you know, who's to say we might be able to do some um, some more local uh, localized in-person stuff, and that would be great because there's really nothing like meeting in person, right? No matter how easy the Internet can be, that connection you make in person is so key. Yes, I did a couple of workshops. So I think her name was a few years ago, D. Clap Boyle. Uh, mm-hmm. It was kind of business 101 for artists trying to get their act together to become more than a hobby. And uh, she was wonderful. It was an all-day workshop, and you figured out a business plan and uh, how you get the basic fundamentals in place. And people realize it is doable. If it's small, it doesn't mean you can't make it work. It's just small. Right. It's all about taking big, big, uh, scary steps and breaking them down to as small of a thing as possible that you feel like, oh, I can take that small step today. It's just emailing one person. I can do that. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked about that's in the hopper right now that you wanted to share while we have a few minutes today, other projects underway? Uh, and once again, people can go to assetsforartists.org to get more information about all these things. But something yeah, I haven't asked about, please. Yeah. Well, and, and to add to that, assetsforartists.org, and if you add a slash to it and then the full word Connecticut, right. you'll get stuff just for the uh, for the state, too. Well, so um, in addition to this grant program, so we're going to have a cohort of 10, right? But um, we will also be offering, paired with this, uh, a series of probably about four or five workshops that will be specifically for Connecticut artists. And I have the really exciting job right now of interviewing um, artists in Connecticut who have put forward a proposal of what some of those workshops could look like. So I'm having a lot of fun getting to meet some of the, the artist experts who, who could potentially be um, some of the trainers for these workshops. Um, and we'll be looking at those probably in the summer, um, maybe into the early fall. Um, and, and so the grantee cohort of 10 will get priority access to those, but these are going to be workshops that will have a much larger um, capacity than just those 10. So there's going right. to be plenty of space for other folks from around the state to be able to join. And not all of them are going to be led by Connecticut artists, but several of them will be. And that's really important because you'll be you know, speaking with an artist who really knows the specifics of the challenges and the opportunities that uh, Connecticut artists face. I know from the past so many people take several years to get some basic things down that with a little training you can do it in six months, but either it's anxiety or other life circumstances getting in the way. But some of those basic business things or planning things really open the door for all the energy to move. And until you do that, it's kind of restrictive, isn't it? You're kind of holding yourself back in a way. 
yeah, it can it can sometimes feel scary to take that first step, and then once yeah. you take the first step, you realize, oh, okay, I can manage this. I'm I'm still moving. I'm still moving forward. Mm-hmm. And for those who are feeling like I don't know if this is going to be the right time to be engaging in this work. You know, assets for artists, we've been around for 15 years. We're going to keep being around, and so maybe next year is a good time or the year after that. Um, Or if you um, sign up for a workshop and aren't able to make it live, almost all of our workshops are also recorded. So if you sign up in advance, you'll also get the link for the recording. So you can watch it in your own time, and you'll also get the slides emailed to you so you can, like, go back to them and digest them um, and really kind of take it in at your own pace because, you know, it, it can be a lot. Even when you're fully ready, a two-hour workshop um, online can, can just come at you and um, feel like too much. So we, we try to break it down as much as possible and give folks opportunities to talk with each other and learn um, peer-to-peer as well. That's wonderful to have these recordings and to get the slides because each one of those slides can be a whole bunch of research in one graphic that can help people really move ahead. Uh, So Molly Rideout, I want to thank you again for joining us. We'll try to get Molly here every month or so to update us on some of the programs at Assets for Artists. I certainly wish you a good winter. Happy Valentine's Day, too, next week. Well, thank you. And we'll be in touch for March, okay? That sounds great. Okay, Molly, you take care. Thanks again for joining us. You take care. Be well. Thank you. All right, assetsforartists.org slash Connecticut. A lot of information there. Don't reinvent the wheel. These folks are there to help you move along. And that's what I have to do. I've got to get my boot heels wandering out of here because time is out. So I'll see you next week for On the Home Front. Thanks to Matt Rupar for controlling the technical madness, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>